Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Long Cat Media presents The Betty Tapes. Episode 2. Time, 3.12 p.m. Date, 12th of June, 1993. Place, a storage room at St. Candida's Boarding School for Young Ladies. This is tape one of The Case of the Dubious Stallion. Quite proud of that title. Although maybe it should have been alliterative. Shabby stallion, stumpy, scummy, shoddy. I'll figure it out later. Talking of stallions... I'm currently perched on an overstuffed vaulting horse, staring at a row of lacrosse sticks mounted on the wall, inhaling the sickly perfume of sweaty singlets and rubber gym mats. My client, Binti Barkley Hunt, gave me this room to use as an office while I work the case. She says no one will bother me here because they only use it for old gym equipment. Pfft, not sure about that. Looks like a prime spot for smokers and illicit meetings to me. I spent half of six form in rooms like this. Oh, it's so weird being back at Old Yeasty for the first time in three years. It's hard not to feel like a teenager again. Powerless, trapped, profoundly alone, wearing much cheaper shoes than everyone else. Oh. Oh. It's fine, it's fine. I'm a grown-up now. Me and my cheap shoes can walk out of here whenever we bloody well want. Except not really, because I really do need the cash. Yes, concentrate on the cash, Betty. Eyes on the prize. Oh, and it's a bloody good prize, too. Binti didn't even blink when I told her my fee. And I'm charging her triple the standard industry rate. Is that bad? Well, I know it looks like I'm ripping her off, but she's so posh. She thinks anyone below an earl is middle class, for Christ's sake. I'm just adding a wealth tax. <sighs> really is terribly strange. Why does Binti have a job? She said it's only temporary, that it's a favour to the headmistress who's an old friend of her mother's. Binti doesn't do favours for people. Binti doesn't work. <laughs> Maybe she's changed. Anyway, regardless, that's not the mystery I'm here to solve. It seems that Binti has been the unfortunate recipient of a quantity of low-grade stallionges. And it's my job to find out why. Did you bring the Rizzlers? Uh, sorry, this is occupied. <laughs> it's okay, I'm not a teacher or a pervert. Oh, shit! I did this Time, 4pm. Date, 12th of June, 1993. Place, the staff car park of St. Candida's boarding school for young ladies. Now then, what do I know so far? The school has a long tradition of winning prestigious gymkhanas and sending girls to the Olympics for show jumping. In my day, every girl here was completely horse-obsessed. Except for me. I can barely tell one end of the horse from the other. Why the hell did Auntie Janet think I'd fit in here? 
It was bad enough when everyone found out I'd never ridden before, but the flack I got for my clothes, ugh. And imagine if I hadn't changed my sodding accent. They'd have set the bloody dogs on me. Anyway, none of that matters now. Stay on track, Betty. Focus on the case. So, last year they decided to breed the school's top horse, Lady Katia, to create a new generation of prancing champions. Binti was tasked with orchestrating the insemination. Using school funds, she purchased semen. Extremely expensive semen from a dazzling grey dressage horse called Twinks from a nearby stable. Except Binti says that Twinks couldn't have been the sperm donor. Because last month, Lady Katya gave birth to, and I quote Binti here, the shittest foal you've ever seen. She showed me the foal when I got here. Looked fine to me. Four legs, long nose. Still, apparently it's very short and its eyes are too far apart or something like that. But it is just like Twinks the stallion in one respect. His coat is grey. When I pointed that out, Binti shouted, So is a donkey! And in a rage, she flipped a trough and punched a hay bale. Just like she used to. Maybe she hasn't changed much after all. Once she'd calmed down, Binti told me that after the birth, she'd stormed round to the stable that owns Twinks to demand answers. But when she got there, they told her they had no record of Binti ever purchasing semen from them at all. And nor had they ever heard of the man who Binti dealt with. One James Heathrow. When I heard that, I said to Binti, his surname was Heathrow, like the airport. And she flew into a rage again, shouting, Yes, all right, I realise it's a made-up name now. Just go and find the tosser and get me a bally refund. Didn't even say please. Wonder if Binti has ever said please. <sighs> it's that foal I feel sorry for, standing amongst all those glossy thoroughbreds, completely unaware that everyone's sneering at them for their rubbish hooves. I haven't even named the poor thing. God, it makes one furious. Time, 7.43 p.m. Date, 12th of June. Place, Twinks' table, crouched behind a bush, watching a woman bring the horses in from grazing. No one knows I'm here. I parked some distance away. I want to have a good look at this place before I speak to anyone. Now. Binti told me she collected the dubious sperm from James Heathrow right here, meters from the stallion himself. That might be the oddest part of this whole thing. How did Mr. Heathrow sneak into a working stable without anyone asking what he was doing here? I mean, that's what I'm currently doing too, but I'm not trying to do a business deal in broad daylight. Ah, I think I've spotted Twinks. Who's that woman leading him into the stable? He looks terribly familiar. I'll sneak a bit closer. Bowser! Bowser! Shit, the dog's seen me! Bowser! Here you Oh, it's coming over! What are you barking at now? Go away! Come on! Go away! Oh, God. Who's that hiding in the bushes? Bollocks! It's all right! I'm not a pervert! Time. 9.45pm. Date, same. Place, my car, heading back to the manor. So the woman in the stable turned out to be Grace from school. Well, strictly speaking, Grace isn't from school. She wasn't a student at St Candida's. She worked in the stables when I was in sixth form. Grace remembered me too, because I was the only student who tried to get out of riding lessons. 
One term, I forged a letter from the doctor saying I had gout. So when the others went off to jump fences, I stayed behind and played cards with Grace and the others. And I had much more in common with Grace than my fellow students. We were even the same age because she left school at 16. When we weren't playing poker, we'd go for walks and chat. She had such cheeky brown eyes. Lovely curly ginger hair. And she was so small. I could literally lift her up and spin her round and round in my arms. <clears throat> anyway, once Grace called the dog off, we had a catch-up over a cup of tea. Naturally, the first thing Grace wanted to know was why I was there. So I told her it was because of the twink situation. Now, it was very subtle, but no sooner had the words passed my lips than I noticed a distinct flaring of Grace's nostrils and a tightening of the neck muscles. She put her tea down on the hay bale and said, Are you talking about that woman who claims she bought semen from twinks? And I was like, Yes! That's right, Binty Barkley Hunt. Surely you remember Binty from when you worked at St. Candida's. Can't say that I do, Grace replied. Which is bonkers. Of course she remembers Binty. During card games, we used to bitch about the biggest assholes in the whole school, and guess whose name was always top of the list? Yep. Anyway, I played along. Oh yeah, Binty wasn't very memorable, I guess. Like Attila the Hun wasn't memorable. And then... Grace asked what the twink situation had to do with me. Well, right there and then, I had this mad idea, this moment of inspiration. And I didn't think, I just went with it. I told her, the reason I'm here, Grace, is that Binti is forcing me to help her. I'm here under duress. I am a prisoner of Binti's whims and machinations. Oh God, I do feel a bit guilty. But it's part of the job description, isn't it? Subterfuge, extracting information, outright lying to one of the few people who made school bearable. <sighs> Naturally, Grace was like, Bindi's forcing you. What on earth do you mean? And I told her, oh. I told her that Bindi is blackmailing me over the time I nearly burned the school down. That if I didn't help her, she'd tell the headmistress what really happened that night, and I'd have to pay for the damage. Grace almost spat her tea out. She was like, what? Binti's blackmailing you? You set the school on fire? First of all, I recounted the real story about what happened that night at St. Candida's four years ago. So, when I was at school, I didn't sleep very well. And the long nights lying in bed waiting for the sun to rise were pure torture. So I'd often sneak out to wander around campus. One fateful night, I climbed onto the flat roof of the science block to gaze at the stars and smoke a single menthol cigarette think about how JJ must be enjoying her freedom many miles away. The cigarette was disgusting, like brushing your teeth and licking an ashtray. So I flicked it into the darkness and left. Unbeknownst to me, it rolled into the gutter. A gutter full of dried leaves. Completely oblivious to the blaze slowly taking hold, I was sneaking back into my dorm when I bumped into Binti on the way to the toilet. Like an idiot, I told her where I'd been. I think I was trying to impress her. Ugh. She just rolled her eyes, of course. Felt like a right twat. Not an hour later, the smoke alarm goes off and the fire service roars onto campus. No one was hurt, thank God. The whole science block was just gone. A smoking ruin. And everyone immediately knew it was me because I'd been caught smoking on that very roof literally the week before. Naturally, the housemistress hauls me into her office for questioning. And there I am. Denying everything, shitting my pants, about to be expelled. 
when Binti burst into the room and said she was with me all night. That we were having such fun gossiping and pillow fighting that we didn't even go to sleep. And so I couldn't possibly have burnt down the science block. The thing is, Binti was the golden girl. Our year's great hope for eventual Olympic glory. And so the housemistress took her at her word. And I got away with it. But Binti didn't help me because she liked me. She did it because she wanted a gopher. Someone to do her homework. Someone to back her up when she lied to teachers. Someone she could say, shoplift that lipstick for me. And they'd just do it. No questions asked. And that was me. For the rest of my time at St Candida's. <sighs> so that was a true part of the story. Grace was appalled, of course. She was like, oh, that horrible bitch. I always wondered why you hung out with her at school when you despised her so much. Why didn't you tell me at the time? I said I was too embarrassed, which was also true. But then I told Grace that Binti was still, to this day, using the fire to force me into doing her bidding. She looked a little perplexed at that. She said rather slowly, like she was talking to an idiot, Betty, we're adults now. You don't have to do as she says anymore. If she tells them you burnt the science block to the ground, just deny it. It'll be her word against yours, and nowadays Binti's word doesn't hold any power. I said, yes, yes, you're right, of course. And Grace got this massive grin on her face and said, and as for that horse sperm, well... It was quite clear she was about to confess. But I didn't want her to, because what do I do then? I don't want to get her in trouble. So I abruptly stood up and cried, Oh my God, look at the time. I have a dentist appointment. I have to go. And I basically ran out of the room like an absolute Fruit Loop. Oh, because it's obvious, isn't it? Grace is behind the dodgy horse sperm. A classic case of revenge. At school, Binti treated anyone she considered beneath her like dirt. A few years later, Binti shows up at Grace's new workplace, doesn't even recognise her, and wants to buy fancy horse sperm. Grace enlists a male friend to sell Binti sperm from the stumpiest horse she could find. That's what she was about to tell me. So what do I do now? I can't dob Grace in. Binti might have her arrested. But I really need Binti to pay me. I can't just drop the case. What if word got around that I couldn't hack it as a PI? <sighs> I need to think of a way through this. And fast. Time, 2pm. Date, 16th of June. Place, my office, mockery. Emotional state, very unhappy. Bloody Binti, she won't pay my fee. She says I didn't solve the case. I may not have found James Heathrow, but I solved her problem. I got her the sperm she wanted. Oh, but no, no, not good enough for Binti. Binti's still demanding a refund for the duff sperm. I was like, but I just gave you the good sperm. And Binti insisted she didn't ask for that and told me to go away and only come back when I had her money. Ugh. Wait, I haven't explained how I got the sperm in the first place. Ugh, I can't wait until I never have to say the word sperm again. <sighs> okay, rewind. After I spoke with Grace and she almost confessed, I headed back to St Candida's and asked Binti if she'd kept the container that had transported the dubious, let's say, sample, shall we? Unfortunately, Binti had chucked out the aforementioned container months ago. So, I visited Grace for a second time under the guise of renewing our friendship. Feigning interest in horses, I asked to be shown around the stables. And when Grace wasn't looking, I stole one of their sperm sample containers from a store cupboard. Then I waited a few days, so it didn't seem suspicious, before returning to see Grace. 
this time to present the evidence. Voila! I said to Grace, brandishing the purloined container. This here is proof that Binti bought sperm from this stable. She was given this container by the mysterious James Heathrow. I think you'll find it matches the other containers in your store cupboard. Grace replied, You mean the store cupboard I showed you when you last visited? Not much gets past, Grace. I was like, Please, Grace, just give Binti the right horse cheers or she'll never drop it. Please, do it for me. She took a moment to think about it, but thank goodness, Grace could never resist me at my most pitiful. She gave me the sample, they had some more nice, and I headed back to Binti, triumphant, thinking that would be the end of it. And now, Binti's refusing to pay me. I tried to convince her that this was the best outcome she could expect, that we'd never find James Heathrow because the trail was stone cold. But Binti just went on a big rant about how I was an idiot and there couldn't be that many men under five foot tall with curly ginger hair and a big black beard that just happened to have access to Twink Stable. So just find him, you fool. <sighs> Binti is remarkably thick. But she was also very upset I didn't have her money. But I really do think she's going to hire someone else. And if that happens, Grace will be in big trouble. What the hell do I do now? Time, 2pm. Date, 19th of June. Place, Stables of St. Candidas. Oh dear, who'd have thought it would come to this? Hauled away in handcuffs for all to see. Well, the truth will out. And one shouldn't lie in steel, should one? It turns out Binti desperately wanted the money back from James Heathrow because she wasn't authorised to spend it in the first place. Nor did she ever intend to inform the headmistress that Lady Katia was pregnant. Let me explain. Binti's broke. I can't quite believe it. Her family lost all their money a couple of years back and Binti was forced to get a job for the first time in her life. But she wasn't qualified for anything and her attitude is what it is, so she really struggled. She ended up working at St Candida's because the headmistress was doing her a favour, not the other way round. Bindi hated it, of course, being back at the school she used to rule, but this time on the payroll. The horror! So she devised a scheme to make some serious cash on the sly. Her plan all along was to use school funds to breed secret foals which she would then sell under the table to wealthy businessmen looking for bargain champions. Of course, when Lady Katia delivered a donkey, the customer she'd lined up refused to pay. Not only that, Binti knew it was only a matter of time before someone noticed a chunk of school funds was missing. She was desperate. So she hired me, I dare say with no intention of paying my fee. Sadly for Binti, only yesterday the headmistress noticed the missing funds and did a little digging with a little help from me. We found an invoice submitted by Binti several months ago. She claimed 5,200 pounds for paper clips. Paper clips? For an equine mistress? God, Binti's thick. The invoice was signed off by the headmistress, except she'd never have agreed to such a huge claim. Binti must have forged the signature. Not at all coincidentally, 5,200 pounds is also the cost for 80 mils of twink sperm. Theft, forgery, and illegal insemination of a horse. Oh dear, oh dear. I urged clemency, but the headmistress ignored me and called the police. Quite a vengeful woman, I fear. Never trust posh people. Utterly ruthless. 
It must have been embarrassing for Binti to be arrested in front of the stable hands. <laughs> oh, not the happy ending I'd hoped for, though. I won't get my bloody fee now. I'm no closer to paying off my debt to Margot than before. Thank you for your help, Betty. Oh, headmistress. That's quite all right. Just doing my job, uncovering secrets, solving mysteries. Hmm. Does that include the mystery of who burned down the science block four years ago? Uh, ah. Mm. Relax, Betty. Water under the bridge. Although, perhaps you'd like to do me a favour. To really put the past behind us. A favour? Of course, anything. I have an unwanted foal. Ugly things making the school look bad. Can't have that. You mean Lady Katia's foal? You want me to... Buy it, yes. What? Me? Buy a horse? Oh, God, how much? Only the cost of a few paper clips. I do so hate a hole in my budget. The Betty Tapes is a Mockery Manor miniseries starring Hayley Evanett as Betty with additional voices by Lindsay Sharman, Lawrence Owen and Kitty Winter. Written by Lindsay Sharman and directed by Lawrence Owen. Music, sound design and editing by Lawrence Owen. Join us next week for episode three. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Were you accused of a murder enacted by supernatural forces beyond your control? Yeah. Are you seeking a multi-figure gold settlement for damages to your business? Yes. Are you a young entrepreneur seeking justice for the murder of a family member that would be here if you were better at your job? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Thomas Phelps. I am the attorney, along with my assistants, of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher, and we want to help you get justice. Our expert legal services are available for a modest fee. But not too modest. I got a family to feed. As a bot, I don't eat, but I do have a hunger. A hunger for justice. And that hunger drives us to work for you, future client. From investigation to sentencing, we've got you covered for everything from public urination. Oh, yeah. To murder in varying degrees. Don't look at me. The attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher care about families. That's why they work quickly to help get this daddy off. I was blown away. My business was in trouble after an unfortunate case of property damage. But the attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher helped set things right with a hefty gold settlement. So come on down to the law offices of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher. Located in the old Biscayne Boys building in Eastern Orgea. Just follow the podcast highway signs for Dungeons and Drimbus and take the season three exit. The attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbio, and Felcher are not responsible nor liable for any of the following that may be incurred while working on your case. Sudden death, loss of limb, heartbreak, the use of magic to secure evidence, the wrath of an interdimensional being, urinary bladder infection, nausea, depression, the sudden desire to remove one's clothing, the illicit romance of a will-they-won't-they workplace scenario, or complete and utter disregard for the natural laws of space and time. Join your favorite fantasy attorneys for their next case. Dungeons and Drimbus publishes every Friday wherever podcasts are found.